but here in the West, we're just starting to learn about it now because there's yoga studios on every corner and everybody's seeing the beauty and the benefits of yoga and they're starting to think, oh, what more can I do? You know, how, how else can I learn from this tradition, this practice? So um, they're discovering Ayurveda. So the way it evolved in the West was that um, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi came over from India and um, you might remember that he's the one who brought over Transcendental Meditation. And then in the 60s, the Beatles got all involved with that. Well, also Deepak Chopra got all involved with that. And he became uh, the Maharishi's like right-hand man and studied with him and learned just about everything he knew. And then eventually Deepak went off and, you know, Deepak was trained as a medical doctor. So he went off and started the Chopra Center. And when I started studying Ayurveda, which was back in like 96, 97, I had heard of Deepak Chopra and I knew he did Ayurveda. So that's who I went to study with as I studied with Deepak. And then I studied with Dr. Vasant Ladd, who's in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. He runs the, the Ayurvedic Institute. So basically when I discovered Ayurveda, I fell in love. I mean, head over heels, this is such a beautiful philosophy and lifestyle and science, and it makes everything in life just make so much sense. So really, Ayurveda is a lifelong study, but I'm gonna give you, in a nutshell, an hour's worth of everything you need to know, <laughs> okay? Reader's Digest version, like, all the hit all the important points. So the way Ayurveda works is that it says everything in the universe is made up of the five elements, okay? Everything in the universe. The chair, our body, the table, the podium, the cars, the trees. Everything in the universe is made up of the five elements. And those five elements are air, space, fire, water, and earth, okay? So, since we have, all of us, have all five of the elements in our, in our bodies, we all have three, all three of the doshas. And what the doshas are is they have taken the elements and kind of grouped them to make it easier to see the expression of the elements in nature. So, for example, air and space together make up vata dosha, okay? V-A-T-A is how you spell it, vata dosha. So if you're looking around in nature to say, hmm, where do I see vata expressed today? Um, in nature, it would be a hummingbird. So a hummingbird has all five of the elements in it, right? Air, space, fire, water, and earth. But it has more air and space in it than the other ones. So think about the qualities of a hummingbird. It's light, it's airy, it um, flits from thing to thing, right? Doesn't have a big attention span. Um, it's interested in a lot of things and it doesn't have a lot of energy. So even though it's like going, 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 it needs to take a breath, you know, it needs to take a rest. So it's like there's an inconsistency. It's a very changeable. 
You also might see vata in a bamboo tree. Bamboos are long and lean and very airy and they bend in the breeze, but they're flexible, they don't break. Or a birch tree, you know, where it has like the skinnier branches and the air circulates all around it. Those are very vata-like qualities. So in a person who is vata dominant, you might see some of these same qualities. The, a person is going to be long and lean. Now they can, be, they can be tall or short, but their limbs, you'll see, are more long and lean. You might see bony, bony elbows or bony uh, poking out at their wrists, you know. That you might see long, slender fingers, you know, or long legs. Some of those supermodels, you know, it's like, whoa, their legs and they're so skinny and stuff. Very, very Vata type if they're in balance and they're like that very Vata type. Willowy. So that's kind of what it looks like body-wise. And inside there's vada too. So vada is very cold and dry. So when you meet someone who's a vada, a dead giveaway that they're a vada is you shake their hands and it's so cold. And you're going, oh my gosh, do you have any blood pressure? Are you alive? Is this a corpse? What is this? You know. So here, shake my hand and you'll see. See? Cold, huh? I noticed that when we held hands. Yeah, <laughs> see? You're like there. So I'm a very Vata dominant person. I got cold hands. Um, but they're not clammy. Not clammy, right. There you go. Good. That's an important point. Um, yeah. So the, um, the Vata system, the physiology is cold and dry as well. So Vata is seated in the colon. And so vatas can be prone to IBS or constipation. Um, they tend to be dried out. They tend to have dry skin, dry hair, um, especially as they get older. And we'll talk about that later too. Um, vatas also uh, are very creative people. They're always dreaming up things. They're kind of the daydreamers of the three of the three vadas. Many people in the entertainment industry are vadas because they have such a wild imagination and they can think up these these things. You know, they're the visionaries of, of the doshas. Um, the flip side of it is when they're out of balance, they can have a lot of anxiety, a lot of nervousness. And vada is aggravated by uh, movement and travel um, because think about it you know when you're in a plane and you're going I don't know how many miles an hour that's extra movement that's getting your vada out of balance it's too much vada an accumulation of vada is going to aggravate those 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 symptoms where you're out of balance so travel is very difficult for vadas they tend to get motion sickness um, they, they tend to have that anxiety and stuff, which can make them sick too. So when Vadas travel, I tell them always take your Vada tea and drink it on the plane and, and bring blankets and mittens and socks so that you can stay warm, you know, and, and all that and kind of get into your meditation while you're on the plane to help make your journey more comfortable for you. So there's, as you can see, there are uh, pros and cons to every dosha but no dosha is better than any of the others. They each come with their handful of uh, strengths and challenges. 
And because we have all five of the elements in our physiology, we all have all three of the doshas in our physiology, just in a different proportion. So you may uh, be vata dominant, or you may say, oh, I recognize a few of those qualities in myself, but I have many more of the other doshas, okay? So if you think of celebrities who are Vada um, celebrities, it would be Barack Obama. Barack Obama is kind of known for being a visionary, right? And he's long and lean. You don't picture him getting overweight anytime soon. Um, he's got a very creative mind. He's um, good at coming up with creative solutions. It would also be somebody like um, Jim Carrey, who's kind of the class clown. That's also a Vada kind of quality. They're very quick and they, um, they think on their feet and they're witty and funny and stuff. Um, uh, for girls, it would be um, somebody like Megan Fox, uh, any of those supermodels that you see that are like real thin, you're like, oh, she's a body girl. Okay, we hate her. <laughs> you know? um, so those are the Vada people. So now, Pitta. Does anybody have any questions about Vada before I continue? Those are kind of the Vada, Vada realm. So the next one is Pitta. Pitta is made up of fire and water. So their fire and water in their system is more dominant. So when you think about Pitta in nature, an animal would be an eagle. Now, Pittas are ambitious and they're determined and they're strong and they're smart. And that's how an eagle is. An eagle doesn't waste its energy going, oh, let's try this flower, let's try this flower. An eagle sits up on its porch and watches, 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 saves its energy, sees its prey, boom, goes, gets it, comes back to the nest, eats it, or whatever it's gonna do, right? An eagle is a thinker. They're, and pittas are thinkers. They're very much in their head. They're very intellectual. Um, they're very intelligent. Um, you also would see pitta in nature in like a pine tree. A pine tree is a nice pitta uh, tree. It's, it's not too heavy. It's not too thin. It's just right. It's muscular. It's strong. It's reaching up to the sky, you know, very ambitious and directed. A pine tree grows straight up. It doesn't like wander off with its branches into odd places and it doesn't sway in the breeze like the birch trees. So a pitta is like a pine tree. And so pitta people are like that too. It's more your average body build. Um, they're a little more muscular than the vadas. Um, they make good athletes, they make good leaders, they make good politicians. Um, if you want to think of celebrities that would be Pitta types, it would be like Donald Trump is an example of a Pitta celebrity. And a giveaway is that they often tend to have either some redness to their skin or some redness to their hair or maybe they've gone bald or are balding young. So anyone you know who's, I think of, I think of it as they have a lot of fire and the fire is like burning off their hair on their head. <laughs> That's what I think about it. 
Pitt is because they're made up of fire and water. They're passionate people, very passionate. They um, fight for a cause. They get into their career. The downside of that is they could be workaholics. They don't know when to turn it off. You know, it's like, oh, they have to do it. You know, they're committed to whatever it is that they're doing and they're just going to keep um, doing it. When they're in balance, they're good leaders and everyone looks to them for the plan. You know, when things are chaos is going all around, it's usually the pitta who says, I got this, let's, you know, do this. And everybody's like, okay, okay. And they follow them. When they're out of balance, then they can be bossy. They can be judgmental. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's telling me what to do, you know? And, and then that's too much fire and you need to cool them down. The fire shows up in their body too. When you shake a pitta's hand, totally warm. Like I shook your hand and your hand is really warm. I mean, and not just compared to me. She's got a warm hand, so she's got a lot of pitta in her too. I'm sure you're a pitta too, right? A lot of times the light eyes are a giveaway too. Blue eyes, gray eyes, um, that's the fire behind the eyes. So uh, if they have reddish hair, bluish eyes, and you're kind of going, oh, okay. Sometimes freckles too. People with freckles, you go, oh, they must have some pitta in them. So pitta is um, located in the stomach. So you think about it, fire in the stomach, that's our digestive fire, it's called agni. So pittas have a very strong digestion. They can digest just about anything. You know, they, they love spicy foods, but that's just about the worst thing for them. They need to avoid spicy foods because it makes too much fire. And when you have too much fire in your stomach, then you get acid indigestion, you get ulcers, you get um, too, mu too much, and, you, and it burns, right? That's how acid indigestion feels, is it's burning sensation. So that's what they need to do is work on cooling things to keep their flame going, but not out of control, right? Okay, so besides Donald Trump, a Pitta celebrity would be like Madonna. You know, she, she's got guns, you know, she's strong. She's, what, 54 years old and she's still doing these concerts and that's a big workout and all that kind of stuff, you know. And she's got the blonde hair and blue eyes. I don't know if her blonde hair is natural blonde hair, but she, you know, she, she looks like a, a Pitta type. She's a strong woman. Okay, so that's... Pitta in a nutshell. Okay, so any questions about Pitta? Yeah. Uh, Bill Clinton's more a Kapha, but he he does maybe he's a Kapha Pitta combination, um, but he does have a lot of Pitta in him because he's a good leader and all that kind of stuff. But body type wise, he's more of a Kapha, and he's not going bald or anything. He's got that thick hair, which is a very Kapha esque quality. So. As a, as a pitta. Okay, so he's he's kind of a combination of both. So definitely Hillary's a pitta. Hillary's a pitta for sure, definitely. Um, she's I think she's smarter than Bill, so <laughs> he might be a little slower than she is. Okay, so kapha people. Now, kapha is made up of earth and water, so. There, it's a very grounding, heavy, sweet, slow, loving dosha. It's all about earth, you know. 
And Kapha, when you think about Kapha in nature, would be represented by a swan. A swan, you just think of as so serene, taking its time on the lake. They're not, you know, flitting like the hummingbird. They're not going after their prey like a eagle. They're just kind of looking at the scenery and if something comes by, yeah, that's nice, you know, and they enjoy their day and they're looking at the beauty all around them. So that's kind of, you know, it's harder to ruffle their feathers. Swans are very loyal, you know, they're, they're one of the uh, birds that just mate for life, right? And, and that's how coffas are, totally loyal, totally. When you have a coffa friend, you have that coffa friend for life. They're like yours, you know, you can always count on them. And coffa in nature would also be represented by an oak tree. So an oak tree has deep roots. It has a lot of longevity. It lives for a long time. It's spread out. It's a, a oak tree is a giver, right? It's got, it gives shade, it gives wood. There's like so much you can do with it. Um, and it's abundant in terms of, you know, the acorns it provides for squirrel and everything. And that's how coffins are. They're givers. They come from their heart. They're so loving. Uh, Celebrity-wise, coffins would be like Angelina Jolie. Now, she doesn't look like a coffin right now because she's kind of underweight. But if you look at her when she was a kid and stuff, at her normal weight, um, she's got nice round features, right? She's got big eyes and big lips and thick, dark hair. Uh, George Clooney is another example of um, a coffin man. Big eyes, thick, dark hair. He doesn't look like he's going bald. You know, he's not wearing a toupee. Um, and they've got, you know, like thick eyebrows, you know. So that's something that, you know, you can get a hair transplant, but I don't know if you're going to go get an eyebrow transplant to, to look like a kapha. But kaphas are some of the most beautiful of the people in the, of the doshas. So that's the upside for them. The downside for them is because they've got that heavy, grounding, earthy quality, they're prone to weight gain. And kaphas, you know, like attracts like. Kaphas are so sweet. They have a sweet tooth. They want to eat. And they're like, oh, I want sweet. I want sweet. And then that's the worst thing for them. You know, they are the ones that need the spicy foods and the savory and, and the light foods, but they want the donuts. They want the sweet and the heavy and everything and the chocolate cake and all that. So you need to balance by going with the opposite. Okay. Um, let's see what else about coffins. Coffins make good teachers. They make good doctors. They make good parents. They make good friends. They're very much people people. They like taking care of people. You know, you think about um, some of the words that we use to describe people. If you go, oh, she's such an earth mother. Yeah, earth, kapha. She's got those kapha-esque qualities. You think when they say, oh, she's such an airhead, you know, okay, vada qualities. They're up in their heads in the clouds and stuff. Or, oh, she's hot-blooded. You know, that's the passion of the pitta, the fire, the heat. So we describe people without even knowing it, um, and we're, we're, what we're sensing, what we're picking up is the elements that express so loudly in them. We can't help but see that, okay? 
So like I said, we all have all three of these uh, doshas in our physiology just in a different proportion. No two people are alike and no two people's doshas are alike. Even when you have identical twins, you know, there's going to be something about them. Even if physically they're, they look the same, personality-wise, I mean, I'm sure you guys have had the same experience. You meet twins and you can't even believe they're in the same family. You know, they look the same, but personality-wise, they're so different, right? So um, the idea is to find out what your unique combination is and work to keep that in balance. So what happens is when we are born, we're born with our dosha. We're born with the dosha that we have throughout our lifetimes, okay? However, as we go through life, there, we are influenced by our environment, the people in our lives, our jobs, the weather, you know, where we live, how we live, and everything. And so our doshas might get out of balance. So if you know what your dosha is, you can bring yourself back into balance. So Ayurveda is more looking at the whole person. What does this person look like healthy and happy? Since I healthy and happy and in balance. And how do we bring them back into balance rather than, okay, this person has the flu. How do we get rid of the flu? It's not like that. Um, because if you're looking at, okay, this person has the flu, then you go, this person has, this person has, okay, we're all going to give them the same medicine. And that's not how Ayurveda works. It's very individualized. You could have a Vata person, a Pitta person, and a Kapha person all have the flu and treat them totally different ways to bring them back into balance. So does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So let's start with um, over a lifetime, how our doshas might change. Okay. So when we're born up until about age 20 or so, we have more kapha in our system. This is kind of a kapha time of life because we're a little more carefree. We're a little more relaxed. We're a little more friendly. We're a little more people oriented. We don't have the responsibilities so much of we have to pay the bills. We have to, you know, it's more, I want to play. Who am I going to play with today? Who's going to be my friend? You know, that kind of thing. So that's, you know, all kapha stuff. Love, love, love. Getting to know people, getting to know yourself, being a student, um, you know, finding out your place in the world, growing and in getting your roots, you know, getting your roots in the community and all that. So that's kind of a kapha time of life. Although children each do have individual doshas as well, even though they're influenced by kapha, they still have their individual doshas. And if when we're parenting, if we keep that in mind, it can make it easier for us. For example, we know that if our, um, if our child is a vata kid, that they're going to be very creative. If the teacher is saying, oh, they're not paying attention in class, and they're, um, I think they have ADD, and they won't stop talking, and they keep interrupting me, you're like, okay, that's my vata kid. So you need to work at keeping them in balance, not necessarily, okay, let's treat the ADD. Let's treat this as a vata imbalance, and what can we do? 
So for example, you send them to school with a warm cooked breakfast, not cold cereal, right? Warm cooked breakfast. You make sure they have like almonds that they can have throughout the day to keep their energy up. You make sure the teacher sits them in the front row so that they can pay attention better, right? So that they're more engaged and less distracted. Lots of little tips like that. Uh, you might discover that your child is a pitta child and they're very competitive. And, you know, sibling rivalry is often, oh, you got pittas competing against each other, you know, and they want to run for class president and they want to do this and do that. But if they lose, they're devastated. So you need to help them understand that they don't always have to be the boss, that they can work on a team, that they have you know certain talents and qualities that lend themselves to uh, situations better than others. You would put them in sports. Sports is a really good outlet for pitta kids so that there's an appropriate place to be competitive and you teach them the appropriate way to be competitive, things like that. And then if you have a coffee kid, they just want to stay home and eat the milk and cookies and read and cozy up, you know, and that kind of thing. So you need to get them into good habits early. You know, you need to get outside and play and exercise and be with people because that's when they're at their best is when they're with people. If they're isolating themselves, if they're um, at home spending time in their room, um, which they're like, oh, happy as a clam just by myself. Eventually they get depressed, they get lonely, they don't know what's wrong, but what's wrong is they don't have enough stimulation. They need lots of stimulation all the time, right? So that just helps us to um, parent as we know they're going through this cough stage of life. So then at about age 20 or so, um, we start entering into our pitta stage of life. So 20 to 40, even about 50 these days because we're starting to live longer and we're starting to retire later and things like that. But this is our pitta time of life. And during the pitta time of life is when you're working. And you're, you know, maybe you're going to college and studying and you're doing work in that way. Um, you're building your family, you know, and building your um, career and your um, home. You know, I've got to make enough money to support the family, to buy a house, to raise the kids, to all that kind of stuff. These are all pit qualities and you have to, you have to think about it. It has to be, okay, I have to apply for a loan and I have to, you know, this is our stage of life where we're using our intellect, where we're building up everything, you know, we're building our lives. So that's all pitta stuff. So then when we are about, you know, 40 or 50 or so, we start going into our vada time of life. Now, vada time of life, we get more dried out. The dryness results in, okay, so we start getting a little more wrinkles. We start um, getting a little more airheaded, forgetful and things. That's all vada qualities, right? Um, we start um, kind of like drying out so that we need to uh, make sure we're hydrated, um, you know, make sure that we aren't overstimulated, make sure we're warm, make sure we're comfortable and, and make sure we're eating right, right? And not letting our mind get the best of us, doing meditation and, and um, you know, doing things like coming to church and connecting with the community and all. 
it's also a time of life when we're very creative too, because now, you know, we've spent so much time working. Now we have a little more free time to spend on ourselves and we can be creative and pursue our hobbies, whatever those things are. Right. And, um, enjoy that time of life. So that's kind of more Vata time of life. And eventually I think that as we get older, we even go back a little bit full circle and become a little more Kafa-like and more loving. And we remember what's important in life and our family becomes even more um, important in our life. And, um, and we just are, are, we're more heart-centered, I think, again, as we get more Kafa-like. Okay, so any questions so far on that part? Yeah. Um, I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm a teacher. And I'm seeing kids spending, I think I heard recently that kids spend up to seven hours a day on electronic devices. And I know I watch parents, instead of walking with their kids and talking to them, they're texting or talking to somebody else. Mm -hmm. how, how, how do you balance the way technology is making everything more stressful and yeah. out of balance? That, well, see, that's the key word is balance because all this technology, although it serves us in some ways, it's hurting us in many other ways. It's making us a more Vata society. So people ask all the time, you know, on the doctor, Dr. Oz or Dr. Phil, why is ADD on the rise? You know, why do we have so many kids with ADD? Well, wouldn't you know it? About the time ADD started on the rise is when Nintendo came out. Hello, now kids are spending more time on video games and engaging here and getting, you know, distracted with that and they, they uh, crave more stimulation. They don't get enough stimulation. That makes it seem like they have ADD when they're really so out of balance Vata. So I think uh, that in school, you can have a like no technology policy, you know, everybody put away your phones or off the phones and not even at recess or whatever, just unless it's an emergency. And I'll know if it's an emergency because they'll call the school or whatever. No technology between the hours of this and this. Um, and we're just going to kind of do things um, connecting with one another more because that counterbalances the overstimulation when you connect with people. Vada the dominant senses for Vata are touch and sound. So when you want to get a Vata's attention, like if you've got a little kid who's just so Vata and they're just like, they're like not listening to you, okay? So you take them, you put your hands on their shoulders and you look them right in the eye, right? And you speak in low tones, slowly, and then they'll start understanding, but they'll, they'll hear it, you know, low tones, slowly, and you have to touch them at the same time, right? Or just put your hand on their side. I know my teachers, it's like, I'm not allowed to touch the kid. I mean, it's hard nowadays. Or just pat their back as you're saying it. And that helps ground them. It helps connect them to you, right? Pittas, on the other hand, are very visual oriented. They're visual learners. So they're, you can give them something to read and they get it. Whereas Vadas, they need to hear it more, right? That's more their learning style is auditory and Pittas are more um, visual or they'll want to see a map. You know, I can't tell my husband, oh, this is how you go here. Go blah, blah, blah. And he's like, nope, give me a map. Put it in the GPS, write it down. I could tell him, do this, this, and this. Nope, write it down. I'm not going to remember if you don't write, have to write it down. Very, very, very visual. Uh, kaphas are more experiential because kapha, the dominant 
senses are taste and smell. So they need to taste it by like experiencing it. They get a taste of it by doing it, right? And a, a tip for coffees, if you want them to remember stuff, is like if you have them um, to say peppermint gum when they're learning their times tables, and then they have the test, if they're chewing peppermint gum, it'll help remember, it'll help them remember that same thing. Vadas learn quickly. Oh, got it, you know? You're testing your kid on the times tables. Oh man, he's got it, easy, piece of cake. Wake him up in the morning. How's your timetables? Oh, I got it, I got it. They go to school, they take the test, they fail. Oh, I forgot, you know? Whoosh, in one ear, out the other. It doesn't, there's no stickiness in the vada. It's all this wind, whoo. Whereas the kaphas, they're slower learners. They're methodical learners. It takes them time to get it, right? You have to really explain it and they have to do it over and over again. But once they get it, they got it, locked in forever. You ask them a question, years later, they remember the answer. They got it, it's locked in. Vadas, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Whatever, I took that class, really? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So everybody's different. And you know, like I said, everybody's a combination. So I'm talking about like the epitome of a very Vada person, very Pitta person, very Kapha person. We're all a little bit like this in some, in some way. But yeah, technology is one thing that totally gets us out of balance. So we need to temper that as parents too and just, you know, budget it. Budget technology the same way we budget our money, the same way we budget our energy, you know, the same way we budget our time. We need to budget our technology. Otherwise, it's going to drive us crazy. It just, I mean, literally, it will drive us crazy. So the same way that over a lifetime we experience the doshas, we also experience the doshas throughout the year, throughout the season. And in Ayurveda, there are three seasons, Vata, Pitta, and Kapha season, right? <laughs> not, the, not the four, winter, spring, summer, and fall. Um, so here in the Northern Hemisphere, right now, let's see, November, through February is Vata season. So we're kind of at the end of Vata season. Vata season is when it's cold and dry. And like Vata is cold and dry. So it's a combination of like winter, fall time period, November through February. So all of us are going to be under the influence of Vata a little bit more than we normally would be. We're all gonna be feeling a little more Vata during this time of year, a little colder, a little drier. So things you can do to help keep your vata in balance would be, um, for example, eating warm cooked foods. So if you have a choice at a restaurant and they say, oh, do you want super salad with that? During vata season, you say, oh, I'll have the soup because it's more warm and nourishing, right? Um, vatas also thrive on uh, massage and oil because the skin is so dry and everything. And there's a massage called Abhyanga that everybody can do any time of year, but Vadas particularly, and particularly during Vada season, benefit from this in so many ways. What you do is you take sesame oil, and sesame oil is great for Vadas because it's warming. 
If you're a pitta type, you might want to choose um, coconut oil because it's more cooling. Or if you're a kapha type, you might want to choose um, olive oil or corn oil just because it's a little more stimulating. You can also buy herbalized oils. So they're oils that have been infused with herbs that help make it more balancing for your dosha. The benefits of this massage are that it moisturizes the skin, it tones the muscles, it helps the skin to release toxins because, you know, like when we sweat, we're releasing toxins from our, our body. The oil helps that process happen. And the most important thing, which is the most vital thing for vatas, is that it soothes the nervous system. So vatas are, ah, you put on this warm oil and they're like, ah, so nice, right? So what you do is you take a little bit of the oil and what I like to do is I'll put it like in a travel shampoo bottle or something. So it's a smaller bottle because you only need a very small amount for this massage. And I'll put it in the uh, bathroom sink in hot water and just let it warm up to about skin temperature shouldn't be hot on you and it shouldn't be cold on you. It should be about skin temperature so that you can barely feel it on your skin. So you pour a little in your hands and rub your hands together and you start at the top of your head on days when you wash your hair. If you're not washing your hair, just put a, a shower cap on or whatever. And then you do the forehead, you do the circumference of your ears and you pay attention to the circumference of your ears because in this part of the body, are the marma points, which are like acupressure points that stimulate all of your internal organs. So then you're gonna go long on the limbs and round on the joints. So long on the limbs and round on the joints. And you do your whole body from top to toe that way. And then you also pay attention to the soles of your feet for the same reason as your ears. There's marma points in your feet that correlate to the organs in your body. So it's like giving yourself a massage inside and out, right? So uh, you do this like in the morning before your shower or at night before bed. And either way, it doesn't matter. It's really good for balancing your, your vata. So during this time of season, you might feel more creative. It's a good time to write, to draw, to bake, to think of new ideas for your life, you know? So, cause you're more, under the influence of vata during this time of year. And definitely stay warm. Make sure your ears are protected when you go outside. I mean, hello, we're in California. The sun is shining. You would never even know it's vata season, right? But at night is when we can tell because it still gets cold at night, right? And in other parts of the country, they're very well aware that it's vata season because it like, hasn't stopped. The cold is there, bitter, bitter cold. Okay, so then, as the calendar goes on, March through June, springtime, is kapha season. So what happens in kapha season? The flowers bloom, the pollen comes out, right? We all feel a little more kapha. Kapha um, is seated in the chest, so we get a little more uh, kapha coughs allergies, congestion, sinus, post-nasal drip, you know, we're a little more allergy ridden that way. Um, those are all kapha qualities. So to help that, um, what we need to do is 
put more spices in our foods, pungent spices, spicy spices. We need to exercise more, get out in the morning sun and take a nice vigorous walk, you know? Um, Kaphas need to exercise the most of all the doshas. Kaphas should be exercising every single day until they sweat. Um, pittas need a medium amount of exercise. They should definitely be exercising pretty strongly and they like competitive sports. So something like running is good for them because they can time themselves and write down the times and try to best their times, or they can be on a team and try to best their score and things like that. That's motivating for the pittas. It'll help them want to do it. For the vatas, since there's a very low reserve of energies, vatas don't need as much exercise. They still need exercise and movement, you know, just like everybody, you wanna keep those muscles going, but we don't want to get them worn out. And that's the problem is when vadas exercise too much and they get worn out, they hit the wall. And if they hit the wall, they crash. Once they're crashed, it's so much harder to build them up. So Ayurveda says everybody should exercise till they're about 75% done, right? And when, you're, when you feel like, oh, I could go more, but I, I feel pretty good, 75%, then you stop because you want to leave that reserve of energy. Your body actually needs that reserve of energy to recover. It takes energy for your body to recover. So if your gas tank is on empty, you know, you're running out of gas, you're going to be sitting there for a long time until somebody brings the gas to you, right? Whereas if you, if you leave a little gas in your car, you're like, okay, now I, gotta, I have enough to get to the station. So you got to think of it that way. Always leave some energy in reserve after your exercise. Don't wear yourself out. Um, okay, so coffee season is um, springtime and we might even feel a little bit sluggish. You know, after the winter, it takes time to kind of get our energy back up, you know. So doing those stimulation, uh, stimulating exercise will help our, get our energy back up and get us back in the groove, you know. We could do our spring cleaning. Um, Kaphas are very much into nesting in the home. So this is a good time you kind of work on your nest at home. Um, experiment with some new recipes and things like that. So then um, July through October, summertime, pitta season. Pitta season because it's hot outside, right? And the sun is shining and there's a lot more heat. There's a lot more fire during the, the summertime. So in the summertime, we're all going to feel the effects of Pitta more. So what do we do? A lot of the things are just common sense. We're going to be out in the sun, wear sunglasses, wear a little bit of sunscreen to protect your skin, wear a hat to give yourself some shade. Those are all the all things that Pittas need to do pretty much all the time. But no matter what dosha you are, you would probably do that more in the summertime. Pittas would also eat more um, cooling foods during the summer, or you know, any of us can eat more cooling foods during the summer. That would be things like um, salads, cucumbers, zucchini, any vegetable that's like dark on the outside and white on the inside, that's a pitta balancing vegetable. So that's a good one to eat. And pittas don't need to worry about cooking the food so much as the vadas do, because they have that really strong digestive fire. And you know how raw foods are so popular right now? Like 
it's a craze almost. Oh, I'm going raw. I'm going, you know. Pittas can handle it. They got a strong enough digestion to handle it. Vatas, uh-uh, no way. It's like they can't handle it. Food, in order to be assimilated by the body, in order for the nutrients to go where they need to go in your body, needs to be cooked. If food is not cooked outside the body, then your body has to cook it inside the body, right? Pittas can do that. They have that digestive fire. But vatas don't have that digestive fire. We have this tiny little flame, you know? So what happens? The food sits in there for longer and the flame goes down, it's working so hard, and you end up with just gas, you know? You don't, we don't want gas. So cook the food outside the body and then eat it. It makes a lot more sense. You're being a lot more gentle to yourself. You know, you're taking care of yourself the way it needs to be. So um, other cooling things you can do is like watermelon. Any of the melons are very cooling. Um, and limeade. Now people think lemonade in the summer, but lemonade is actually more warming because the lemon is warming. So vadas can have lemonade, but pittas, too much lemonade might mean too much heat for them. So if they have limeade, because the lime is cooling, that's better for them. So like when you're in a restaurant and this drives me crazy. Every restaurant, when you ask for water, they bring you ice water. Well, that's not good because ice water is just going to put out that digestive fire right away. And especially before you eat dinner, that's the last thing you want. So just ask for water without ice and a slice of lemon. But if you're a pitta, say, oh, water without ice, and do you have any lime? You know, and usually if they have a bar or something, they'll have the lime, and you can, the pittas can put a little lime. That, that little citric acid is going to um, stimulate your digestive fire a little bit, so it helps prepare your body for digestion. Now you're okay, now you're good to go. And you should just sip water with your meals, not before your meal, because it's gonna um, put too much, the stomach's gonna wonder what it's supposed to digest. And am I supposed to boil this water? What am I supposed to do with it, you know? So um, just sip water, warm water, room temperature water, little lemon with your meal. Okay, so what else during pitta season to keep cool? Water sports, swimming is good, um, cool showers, things like that. So that's how we keep our, our pitta in balance during that time of year. So does anybody have any questions about pitta season? Now, yeah. I wanna ask about, are you vegan? Yes, I'm vegan. Okay. How about in everybody, because we have a little bit of each one, mm -hmm. how people can handle the to eat animal meat that is so toxic for the body? How this in influence the, you know, in their spiritual, um, right. I understand what body. you're saying. So the Ayurvedic diet is basically a vegetarian diet. That's what they recommend for everybody. It's not necessarily a vegan diet because they use ghee, which is clarified butter in cooking. And they also use um, some cheeses, but they're, the cheeses they use are like paneer, which is more easily digestible. It's not like our cheeses, which are so hard you have to grate. They're very soft cheeses. Um, and I believe that, you know, 
because back in the day when Ayurveda was invented, they didn't have soy milk, almond milk, or whatever. That's why dairy was okay for them. They used it more as medicine than as food, right? You used it in certain cases to balance your dosha or to help with something. But now we have all these options. So I can be on an Ayurvedic diet and be vegan because there's dairy replacements. But I still like ghee because ghee is such a good medicine and it is sweet and it is very good for vatas, especially to oleate the body. So I'll cook with a little bit of ghee every now and then or I'll have a little toast with a little ghee on it every now and then. It's not a regular part of my diet. But Ayurveda doesn't say uh, don't eat animals. It recommends that you not because of the, for the spiritual principles of we're all one and it's not necessary for us. We weren't, our bodies weren't meant to eat animals. You know, if you look at the history of it and everything, we weren't meant to. So it recommends that you not. But Ayurveda is very forgiving. It says you do what you need to do. You know, you know your body best. You, uh, you know, we trust you to take care of yourself. We're not going to make hard and fast rules. So sometimes it'll say if you're out of balance, like especially if you're very, very sick and you're very, very weak, they won't say, oh, go eat a burger or something, but they might say, um, sip some beef broth or sip some chicken broth, you know, because they know that there are properties in that that can be healing in certain cases. They're not saying eat it every day, but they are... Um, they are enlightened enough in Ayurveda to say that, okay, if you're a meat eater, these meats are better for vada, these are better for pitta, these are better for kapha. So, and really red meat, they don't recommend so much for anybody. Um, but, you know, there you have it. So does that answer your question? Okay, good. So also, at, while we ha also have the seasons that um, follow the dosha, our times of day follow the dosha. So how we live our life cycle, our, our lifestyle, is by following an Ayurvedic routine during the day. So the Ayurvedic routine looks like this. 6 a.m., you wake up. Why 6 a.m.? Because that's typically when the sun comes up. That's nature waking up, and we're going to be in harmony with nature, right? So from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., that's kapha time. Kapha time is slow and sweet and grounding, right? <laughs> Drink your coffee. We're gonna um, we're gonna wake up, and the after we use the bathroom, the first thing we're gonna do is meditate, right? Meditate gets us grounded. This is the ideal time of day to meditate because you've already had a good night's rest. So hopefully you won't be falling asleep. You meditate sitting up so your spine is straight so that you're not, if you're laying down, you're just going to be tempted to fall asleep again. So you meditate sitting up and you get your meditation out of the way for, for, for the morning right away. Then you do your exercise, you take your shower, you eat breakfast, you know, Ayurvedically. Ayurvedic eating is you're eating mindfully. All six of the tastes are represented, sweet, sour, salty, bingent, bitter, pungent, astringent. Each of those, um, when each of those tastes are present in a meal, you feel really satisfied. And then there are certain tastes that you favor depending on what your dosha is to keep you in balance as well. 
So you have breakfast and you get dressed and you're like ready to start your day. By 10 a.m., you're at work, you're at your desk, you're getting ready to work because from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., this is pitta time of day. Pitta time of day is when the sun is highest in the sky, right? When there's the most heat, this is when you get your most work done. This is when you're your most productive. So this is time you, you just crank out. Everything needs to be done. Your thinking is its sharpest, right? So you, you can handle whatever work. Bring it on. Bring it on. I'm going to do it. I'm going to just going to knock it out and you get your work done. It's also the time of day when your digestive fire is the strongest. So between noon and 1 p.m., ideally, is when we're going to eat lunch. And lunch is going to be our largest meal of the day. We already had breakfast, which was substantial because Ayurveda says do not skip meals. You're going to eat your three meals a day, and you can have snacks in between. But they are snacks like almonds and fruit, things like that. Um, you're not going to be having, you know, Chips Ahoy or Lay's potato chips or Fritos or anything. You're going to be eating uh, natural foods, organic, you know, foods that are intelligent. Nature says, Ayurveda says that foods from nature have nature's intelligence. When they've been processed and chemicals added, it's not just junk food, it's dumb food. It doesn't know where to go in your body. So it doesn't do anything. It just goes, right? So it doesn't do you any good. So we're going to have lunch from 12 to 1. And then from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., now this is Vata time of day. Vata is creative, right? So this is the time of day when we are at our most creative. So we problem solve, we brainstorm, we visionary things, right? Visualize and, and come up with what do we want to do in the future, right? This is the time when our Vata kicks in and we're our most creative. So we're still working, but we're just working in a different way. Then right before 6 p.m., we're going to meditate again. You want to meditate twice a day, every day. It's just like brushing your teeth twice a day. You have oral hygiene. Meditation is your mental hygiene. So you're going to meditate right before dinner. Before dinner is the ideal time because once you've eaten dinner, now you're busy digesting and you're, and you're on to other things. So you want to meditate right before dinner. Then you eat dinner, and dinner is, you know, a meal, but it's lighter than you had at lunch. So it might be a little dal and rice or, you know, during pitta time, maybe a little um, salad with some cooked kale in it or something. And I like that uh, Gardein has, um, it, it's, uh, it's like fake meat, you know, right? So it's made out of pea protein and soy and things like that. And so I have like a chicken Caesar, fake chicken on kale and stuff. And it's, it's good. A little meal like that is great for dinner. So then between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m., we're back into kapha time again. So instead of winding up our day in the morning, now we're winding down our day at night. This is time to relax. This is time to spend time with your family. Go on a walk after dinner. Walk your dog. Spend time with your dog. Talk on the phone with your friends. You know, get on Facebook for a little while. Don't overdo, like you say, you know, don't overdo with the technology because the technology is going to stimulate your mind and the idea is during this coffee time is we want to relax the mind. 
so that by 10 p.m., we're in bed, okay? 10 p.m. is the ideal bedtime for us. And the reason for that is because now between 10 and 2 is pitta time again. If we get to bed by 10, when we're slowing down, winding down, we're being lulled into sleep and we get to sleep by 10, that's perfect. They've done studies in nature that they can measure the effects of nature from kapha time to pitta time. So, for example, during kapha time, they recorded the crickets outside. And between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m., the crickets are sweetly singing like a little lullaby, chirp, 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 chirp. At about 10 p.m., the crickets are chirp, 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 because they're all the fire. They're awake now, right? It, the same thing happens with us. If we stay up past 10 o'clock, what happens? You get your second wind. Now you're not tired. Now you can't fall asleep. Your mind's going like this and this and this, right? But it's important to be asleep from 10 to 2 because during that pit of time, that's your work time, remember? You're laying in bed sleeping. Nature is working on you. This is the time nature is repairing all your cells and rejuvenating and regenerating and working on your whole body so that you're great and full of energy in the morning. You need to be asleep during that time. Then from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., it's Vata time. Again, we need to be asleep. Nature is working for us, but this time it's working on our mind. From 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., this is when we have our dreams. This is those wild dreams that we can't figure out. Like, what did that mean? Or, you know, I have them every night. Vadas have the most crazy wild dreams. Vadas tend to have dreams that were flying, you know, and that kind of thing, flying dreams. Pittas have more um, uh, work-oriented dreams. Like, oh, uh, you know, I, I was in the office or blah, 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 or I was... I was in class and I didn't study. Those are all pitta dreams, right? Oh, I, I didn't study for the test. That's a pitta dream. Kapha's dreams are more watery and more romantic. Love dreams, right? But it's good for us to be asleep because during that time, our unconscious or our subconscious is solving problems for us that we couldn't solve out in activity because we're so busy and so distracted. We wake up and it's like, oh, I know exactly what to do, you know? Or, or maybe you're going about your day and you're like, I got the solution. And you're wondering where it came from. It came from overnight. And now you're just bringing it into being. And then at 6 a.m., you wake up again and you start your day all over again. That's living the Ayurvedic lifestyle. You know, eating for your dosha, taking care of yourself, body, mind, spirit, and space. You know, making sure your house is dosha balancing, and honestly, like I said, you could study this for a lifetime, and I hope this kind of got you started. If you're looking for more information, I've got this book, What's Your Dosha Baby? It's about Ayurveda and relationships. It teaches you how to get along with anybody in your life. It types people so that you can say, oh, I'm a Vata woman, my husband's a Pitta. Vata woman, Pitta man, and you look it up and you go, oh, that's me, that's me. It's like, whoa. So that's kind of cool. And then if you want to live the Ayurvedic lifestyle, this is the perfect balanced diet. 
And it's a diet for body, mind, spirit, and space. So it's not just the foods you eat. It's the technology you take in. It's the books you read. It's the people you meet, right? It's the uh, environment you're in. It's your home. It's everything to do with space because the environment is our extended body. So it's all about what you can do for your dosha and overall. And it's got tons of great recipes and it's got my 28 day plan. So why 28 days? Because it's four weeks, one week for body, one week for mind, one week for spirit, one week for space. Little exercises so that by the end of the four weeks, you're like, I got it, totally. I am living an Ayurvedic lifestyle forever. Thank you very much. So that's that. And then this book is called What's Your Dharma? It's about living your life's purpose. So once you know your dosha, that's kind of like, you know, body, mind, and spirit, then you want to know your dharma, which is what is your purpose here um, in life, you know? Like when we meditate with Deepak, Deepak always says, ask yourself three questions when you meditate. Who am I? What do I want? What is my purpose? So this book helps you answer that question, what is my purpose? And here's a hint. It has nothing to do with your occupation. Nothing to do with it much higher purpose and this will tell you exactly what it is and how to find it and how to live it okay anybody have any questions yes okay if there are five elements yes and they seem to be in pairs to make the doshas yeah how come there's not ten of them <laughs> because there's some overlap so it's um air and space is vada mm -hmm. fire and water is pitta and water and earth is kapha. See, so they sh kapha and pitta share water. So that's the way that works. So why isn't there like fire and space? Um, I don't know. That's the way they did it. <laughs> 5,000 years ago, that's the way they did it. Okay. Yeah, that's just the dosha. I guess we'd have to see if there's anything in nature that fire and space We'd have to look at that. That's actually a really good question. Thank you. But uh, yeah, I'll have to think about that. But according to the Rishis, this is the way they grouped them into these three doshas. I think having, maybe it's too complicated to have 10 doshas. So they just looked at nature and said, what does this represent to us? You know, maybe it's. It's, it's that. a question an engineer or a computer programmer would have. Yeah, or, or a pitta. And he's a pitta. <laughs> Pittas ask the good questions. Whenever anybody takes my dosha quiz, and they're like, I don't know what my dosha is because I could have answered hit this here and I could have answered that there and you really should ask this a different way. I'm like, let me tell you right now, you're a pitta, okay? <laughs> you're overthinking this. Just, it's, it's not rocket science. Just give me an answer. You know, you must be a pitta. You're taking it too seriously. <laughs> Anybody else? Great. Good. You. Thank you so much. I love being here. Thank you very much. And thank I've got my books outside of you want anything. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed yeah. it as well. Very different. Oh, good. Thanks. Do well, you I've got lots. Ayurvedic doctors in the area? I do. Um, if you go to westlakeholistic.com, her name is Karen Osborne, and she um, she owns westlakeholistic.com. She and her husband. And she can like take your pulse and look in your eyes and look at your tongue and she can diagnose you and tell you your dosha and recommend she herbs MD. for you. MD 
too, or no? No, okay. she's an Ayurvedic practitioner. Okay. Um, no. What? I can never get anything down fast in these. I just have to write it. Oh, okay. Okay, so Westlake. Holistic.com. And her office is right on the lake. It's in, on the landing in Westlake.